0: Welcome to this week's episode. In this one, I have a conversation with Gus Engel, a former professional snowboarder turned musician. Back when he was a snowboarder, rather than taking to the mountains, Gus headed to more urban locations to ride. He ollied sidewalks, slid on corrugated pipes, rode down cement ledges, and jumped off overpasses. Altogether, he helped change the definition of what it means to go snowboarding. His impact on the sport is one of those things that was immediately felt but was not immediately attributed to him. But that's how those things go sometimes. However, given time, I think history will be kinder to his contributions. Today, Gus lives just outside Quebec City, Canada, with his wife Esté, pursuing a career as a musician with his band, Gus Englehorn. Okay, Crude Company Men's shout-out time. These are the people who have subscribed to the Crude Patreon for $50 or more. Trina Duber. Seward Brewing Company, Crystal Liska, Derek Adolf, Blue and Gold Board Shop, Sharon Liska, Scott Liska, and the newest company man, James Humphreys. Thank you, James, for your support. It means a lot, man. And thank you to all the other supporters as well. This podcast wouldn't be possible without you. Subscribing to the crude Patreon is what keeps this podcast going, it helps me pay for equipment software, and allows me to keep a part-time job so that I'm able to produce a new episode every week. And you can subscribe at www.patreon.com slash crude magazine. That's patreon.com slash crude magazine. Patreon.com slash crude magazine. Okay, back to Gus Engel. I called Gus at his Canadian home in the woods the other day and caught up with a friend I've known for over 20 years. In that time, I've always known him to be a dreamer. He's always chased his passions, usually resulting in something strange and uniquely Gus. That's what he did as a professional snowboarder, and that's what he's doing now with his music. He's a self-described monomaniac, meaning he can only be obsessive about one thing at a time. And when Gus obsesses about something, it becomes all-consuming. So here he is. Gus Engel. Mike is hot. Mike's hot. Mike's hot. Is it recording? It's record, that's what that means, dude.
1: Crude conversations. Listen more than you talk.
0: Go to work. So we are officially recording, Gus. Alright. How are you?
1: I'm good. How are you?
0: I'm I'm good. Uh it's all sunny in Alaska right now or it's sunny in Anchorage? What about where, where
1: are you, Quebec? Yes, I'm in uh right outside of Quebec City. And what's that called? Uh the little town I'm in is called uh Lac.
0: And when did you move there?
1: Um It's been like like maybe like 8 months or something like that. We were in Montreal before that. And then we moved it here. We're kind of like living in like a cabin in the woods out here.
0: Is that why it was so difficult to connect or?
1: Uh, maybe. I don't know. It's raining crazy and it's, uh, and there's going to be a uh, lightning. Does, does the lightning affect wifi in Canada? You know, I just don't have the answer to that question. <laughs> I'm, <just> not, <laughs> I'm not qualified to answer that. So we haven't talked in a while, dude. I know it's been too long. So,
0: what what do you need to catch me up on?
1: Um, haven't been doing too much. Just been, uh, you know, I'm pretty much just trying to, um, uh, make this, uh, rock and roll band, uh, work. Me and my, me and my wife and my, uh, best friend out here, uh, we like started this little rock and roll band and we just started like playing shows and we, recorded album and we're gonna release it next month and that's pretty much it that's pretty much all i've been doing
0: what's the name of the band
1: it's just my name but i added horn to the end of the ingle gus ingle horn <laughs> Why, why'd you do that what is that where does that come from <laughs> i don't know i thought i think it's like a. The, I don't know. I just thought it, it lended some uh, gravitos if, the, if that's the proper uh, usage of that word. Uh, <laughs> to, uh, and I think it might have been like the name, the German, um, like the full German last name before they like got to Ellis Island and they cut them all off or whatever.
0: You're talking about your last name.
1: Yeah, my last name, I think. I mean, I don't really know. It's just uh, pretty much just... Actually, I really, I, guess I really did it because Bertner always used to call me Gus Engelhorn. And uh so I uh, so I just I don't know I I liked it so I th- I thought it went well with the aesthetic and everything.
0: And this is Jesse Burtner.
1: Yeah, Jesse Burtner.
0: He used to call you Gus and Yeah.
1: And
0: this is this is back when you were snowboarding?
1: Yes, back when I was back when I was living with Jesse, I think pretty much in Seattle. So that was the
0: inception of Gus (laughs) Englehorn
1: yes exactly and now uh yep and now I'm using it for this band
0: (laughs) so let's maybe let's maybe back up a little bit so um I saw that your dad recently sold his house which was your childhood home and moved out of state yep is it kind of weird not having a place in Anchorage to visit or come back to now
1: it is kind of weird. I mean, my mom lives in uh, Nanilchik still, so uh, I could still always go there, which, which is pretty cool. But, uh, you know, uh, I feel most at home around um, the hillside of Anchorage and stuff. So it is weird, man. You know, like, I, I don't know where I would stay. If I, I guess I would stay with you. <laughs> there, so. I'll have to
0: let uh, Carrie know. Yeah. <laughs> Gus is moving in. <laughs>
1: I'm back. <laughs> I'm back.
0: <laughs> so yesterday I asked if you had anything you'd like to talk about, and you said uh, that you'd like to talk about your expatriotism and songwriting, because that's pretty much all there is to your life at, at this moment.
1: Yeah, pretty much. Maybe
0: let's start with being an expat.
1: Uh, okay, yeah, yeah. Um, what could I say about it? It's. Uh, it's definitely strange and it's kind of wonderful uh but can be alienating at times um but uh, definitely has expanded my uh horizons and uh yeah man it's pretty cool i do like being an expatriate i think it's a pretty good thing to do at least at some point in your life but it is weird too definitely i don't know it's a strange strange thing to be an expatriate how is it strange I don't know. It's 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 uh weird to just even live in a place. I think that uh that speaks a different language than your native tongue. I think. Uh, I don't know. At first, like like when you're learning the language, you feel like uh it's like you regress to like uh kind of like a childlike state. <laughs> and uh, and like I was just super dependent upon my wife, and I was just like you know I, you like can't even like order like. sandwich or anything so you kind of just have to be like I just had to ask my wife like hey could you just uh could you order me a sandwich or like or you know anything man you're just totally like incapable of even doing the most uh basic of interactions and uh you're always left out of conversations and like and I don't know it's just weird at first but it's also really interesting yeah so that part's kind of weird you start you you just feel like kind of like it's like really like you feel like an outsider I guess
0: is there like a, or was there like a moment where you were like, where you were like, okay, I got it, and maybe you kind of came out of your shell.
1: Um. Yeah. Definitely. Like a little bit. Like the more and more you get comfortable with your new language, like the more you you like. It's like it's not like you 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 figured out how to like. It's like, it's like more like you create like an alter ego, like, like a French version or whatever, whatever language you're in, like you create like an alternate version of yourself that speaks another language. Like, I feel like it's kind of like I'm two different people or something.
0: (laughs) And is that person Gus (laughs) Engelhorn?
1: Um, perhaps, yes, I guess so. It it is, it is like the place where Gus Engelhorn was born in a lot of ways. So yes, perhaps you could refer to him as Gus Engelhorn if you, if you wish. (laughs) (laughs)
0: You know, that's something actually that I, uh, because me and Carrie went to France for our honeymoon back in April. Yeah. And what you just said is if you wish, and I forget what it is in French, but (laughs) when, uh, when you'd ask something, say you're at a restaurant or something, the waiter will, will say as you wish. As you wish, you know, and I, I always thought it was funny because it was like, they were a genie.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think they do use that term out here. And that's the other weird thing is all your sentence, like, you know, guys, I, I, I'm i pretty, like, isolated, especially out here in the, uh, it's a lot of layers of isolation, really, be an expatriate, and especially my situation right now where I'm living out in the, out in this cabin. Because, like, I'm pretty much just with Estée out of here. And she, like, speaks with these, like, strange structures. Because, you know, everything in French is kind of, like, backwards and stuff. Mm-hmm. And she, like, uh, so, like, she's always saying things like, I don't know, like, she'll, like, see, like, a dog. And, and instead of being like, oh, that dog is cute. She's like, so cute, the dog. <laughs> and, I'll be, and, and after a while, you, stop, you start, you don't even remember what is the right way. You're just I just start saying it. And all my friends are like, why, why are you speaking like that? It's so like And I'm like, what are you talking about?
0: (laughs) So you can see it affecting your English.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah, man. It's getting real weird for sure. (laughs) But I mean, my dad's here right now, like, uh, visiting me. My dad and my little uh, brother. So I've been speaking a lot more English. So I think it's starting to come back. But if I don't, like, see any of my English speaking friends for a while, like, it definitely starts getting real, real strange. I, I could be I can be weird, you know, me. You, <laughs> you,
0: know you know, and me. one thing I do know about you is that the longer we talk, the more comfortable you'll be.
1: Yeah, I already feel like I'm. it's flowing a little bit. at first. I was like, oh.
0: <laughs> I know. I thought you were trying to dodge me at first because you weren't answering your messages.
1: <laughs> I know. That's the other thing, man. Like I told you I regressed to a childlike state out here. Estee, like, seriously, I don't handle money. Estee, like, fields all my messages. I don't have a phone. I don't even, I don't have a bank account. <laughs> Like literally, I'm like, which is all pretty much by my own design. Like, I mean, that's pretty much I, my my desire, and I think uh, you know, it's pretty nice, but but uh, it definitely definitely makes me a little bit uh, unreachable and yeah, tough to get a hold of, and also just kind of uh, helpless if she's not around. And which she's not today. She's like at this, she's at this uh, library, like painting this big exhibit she's like putting up but yeah so that's why that's why i'm, like, I'm so not used to like even like fielding my own messages so.
0: <laughs> and when did that happen because i remember you know growing up here with you yeah uh we, we hung out all the time and you know you'd have you'd have money you'd have all of the necessary things that a normal person in society would have <laughs> and now you don't really have them <laughs>
1: I know, man. That's what I told you, man. It's like, it's a a strange hole I've dug myself into out here. (laughs) But but I don't know. I guess I just like, uh, I don't know, when you start dating somebody, maybe they like, help you do the things that you're not very good at, which is everything for me, (laughs) besides like, being a real big monomaniac at whatever chosen obsession I have at the moment, I guess, but (laughs)
0: <laughs> so, basically, what you were looking for in a partner was a mom. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Dude, it's so weird and Freudian. Like, every once in a while, like, when I'm talking to my mom, I call her Este. It's really, it's, it's really weird. It's It's not good. <laughs> it's not good. <laughs> you know, that's one thing that uh,
0: that's always been so great about, like, our friendship is you are... You've always been so honest. So just like something like that <laughs> is something that a normal person wouldn't want to admit.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm pretty, I'm pretty, yeah, I'm open book most of the time. Uh, like, like you said, once you get me, uh, once you get me going. Is there something in
0: French culture that has been the most surprising to you?
1: Uh, what has been strange out here? Um, it's all just so odd that it's hard to pick one thing, but, uh, there's one thing that they do all the time that I, that is, uh, it's pretty strange and addicting, which is they always, like, play with words. It's like, uh, like, they're called les jeux de mots, and it's just like a play on words, and, uh, and it's like, but... You, you, like, start doing them, and it get, it, it, comes, it. gets so, after, it's just puns, pretty much, but it's, like, such a constant in their society. Like, all the, the businesses are named, like, strange puns, and, like, constantly in conversations, people are making puns. And, like, after a while, you start getting into it, and then, like, that's all you think about. You don't even, like, listen to people when they speak. All you're doing is trying to, like, identify a good moment to, like, <laughs> to like slip a pun in. <laughs> and then, like, my one friend told me, he, like, he said he started, like, a website and everything, like, a pun website site and he said like it got so bad he like was warning me against going down the road of making puns because he said like it got so bad after a while like he couldn't sleep like he was just like stayed up all night trying to think of like <laughs> super clever puns and stuff it's a slippery slope that uh pun part of uh, the french culture but uh yeah that's one of the weird things what else is weird um
0: do you have an example of a pun
1: um oh man okay with a good uh well, they're all in French usually, but it's always things like. Okay, what's a good one? Mm, I don't know. There's so many. But I'm trying to think here. Um, I don't know. I have started making a lot of English now too. It's like switched back to uh, like uh, my the English side. And uh, I like I don't know. I was in the store the other day, and I thought this was a pretty good one. I saw, uh, we were gonna get like a butternut squash. But, like, we've been trying to only buy stuff, like, kind of, like, locally and stuff. Like, trying to be, like, good environmentalists and stuff. So, it was I can't remember where it was from, but it was, like, from far away. So, I was, like, oh, we better not buy it. Better not buy it. <laughs> and were you saying this just to Este or to people around you? <laughs> just to Este in this case. And... Um, este can't even deal with my puns anymore. She's she's so over them. <laughs> she, so she wasn't amused. She is entirely and utterly unamused <laughs> by, my, by my puns. <laughs> I can't stop that. I, I can't stop. It's, it's bigger than me. It's, I
0: can't do it. <laughs> it's a sickness.
1: It is. It's a sickness.
0: And Esté is in your band, correct?
1: Yeah, Esté plays the drums, and she sings a little bit in the band.
0: And are you guys on tour in uh, Canada?
1: Uh, no, but we're playing quite a few shows. Uh, just, I mean, we, we like kind of only places we play shows right now are, are in Quebec city and in Montreal. And what's been the response? Man, it's been going pretty good. I gotta say, it seems like people like it, but, uh, you know, we're still, we haven't put the album out yet, but uh, man, we've been getting some really good feedback. And so it's been really, uh, encouraging for sure.
0: Maybe take me through the uh, the first show that you did because I know that you've been working on music for a long time and yeah. you're very particular about the music you put out and yeah. So yeah, what was that experience like? You know, showing the world your music for the first time.
1: Oh, it was pretty weird for sure. Like the first show we actually had, like as a as the band, like with Esté on the drums and everything. Like the this like kind of like the final iteration, or like what seems to be like the, the, the what will be like the final iteration anyway, uh, with Estee on the drums, and just me on the guitar, and like that, for, the first show we had doing that was uh, with this, this super cool band from Montreal, and they're like pretty big and stuff, so like a lot of people come to their shows, and our friend, our other friend from Montreal who was staying with us, like last winter, um, was like out here trying to help us like record an album. And so he got us, like, that sh- uh, got us a show with him and, and it was, like, in this, like, kind of, like, cool, like, punk bar in Quebec City, and we were, like, we were super freaking nervous, and we, like, played all our songs super fast, like, we were supposed to play for, like, 20 minutes and we like played our songs because sometimes when you're really nervous you like play fast i don't know why but we like played all our songs in like six minutes somehow <laughs> it was like insane but they really liked it they were like super like that the the lemon grab uh the band uh, from montreal like really liked it and they like invited us to play um like we played three shows with them now and they like the um, one of our last big shows is in montreal with them and, and they're like they're getting pretty big in montreal so like the like the venue was like sold out and stuff and it was like a super cool venue and there's probably like I don't know, maybe like 150 people there or something like that. So that was like our biggest show yet. And that was really cool, man. It was, I don't know, playing shows is so fun. It's like, it it can be terrible. Like we played a couple of terrible shows where it just is like the worst thing ever. And you feel terrible after. But then if it goes good, it's like, it's so, it's so fun. What were those terrible shows like? i don't know it's just like sometimes like there's like this sometimes the sound is bad like you because like sometimes the sound is good for the audience it's like just technical stuff but there's like these but there's these things called monitors and they're pointing back at you and if those aren't strong enough like if you're playing in like a place that's really not designed to be a venue or something those things will like you can't hear yourself so like you'll be playing or singing but you can't hear yourself sing back so you're pretty much it's so hard to play a good show and you can't hear yourself so that that's really when it's like a bad show or when it's just like it just depends like if you're opening for a band because we're only doing like the opening act thing right now and because we're not big enough to like play our own shows or anything but and if you're opening for like a certain like a band that's not really a good fit like the audience isn't gonna really like your stuff so they're kind of can be pretty cold Mm -hmm. you know so when their audience is kind of cold, it's like you play a song and then it stops and everybody kind of just like, you know, like just like glasses are like clanking and like people are like coughing and like a door is like swinging and you like hear <laughs> 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 And it's such a bummer. You're like, oh no. You just like want to get out of there as quick as you can. You start getting like more nervous. You like start sweating and like, you know, like you play all bad and stuff. <laughs> it's terrible. You
0: know, I would imagine... Those experiences are really important, though, because, you know, like the worst thing that could happen has happened.
1: (laughs) Yeah, for sure, man. Like, yeah, once you get that over with, you're kind of like, okay, well, it's not that bad. And, And I think the time when you're most bummed out is like really when you don't play well, like if you if like the audience is like not exactly like receptive and then you like start you start not giving it like everything you got and then you kind of feel more bad like oh man like I could I should no matter what like I you always kind of feel good if you feel like you did your best you know what I mean but if you feel like maybe you you didn't like fully put it all out there then that's when I always feel like oh man I I, like I gotta I gotta do better you know.
0: Do you have a like a routine that kind of ensures that you can play to the best of your ability?
1: For sure like uh, a Like I I pretty much like my lifestyle is pretty like it's pretty much just all all revolves around like playing music like every hour of the day anyway. So I'm always pretty um pretty like sharp, like I'm never too rusty, but but yeah, like definitely, like warming up your voice and uh and trying to practice with the band as much as you can, which is like that's kind of hard. And we all like some I don't know. We try to practice as much as we we can, but like we live like way out in the woods. But we're kind of like a we're kinda like a punk band, a little bit like a we're kind of like uh what's it called? Um amateurists, I think. So like we it's kind of it's kind of like endearing, I think, in our case, and we make mistakes and stuff. So we're we don't have to be like we're not like we're not one of those bands that has to be like super, super tight and perfect. Like it's kind of I don't know, we kinda we like accept that we're kind of like uh non non musicians playing in a band in a way.
0: <laughs> you know, that's that's like uh remember that that fake band from when we were kids ear pleasing
1: oh yeah <laughs> or was it the ear pleasers or was it I remember there was two names of that band and one was ear pleasing and one was metal mustache <laughs> <laughs> and it wasn't really a band was it no we were just we had some sort of idea to like just play a show but like, we didn't wouldn't know how to play any of our instruments or something it would have been such a disaster i'm so glad we never did that and we were gonna make mark thompson be the lead singer (laughs) maybe it would have been so good though like maybe we blew it and we would all be like you know super famous millionaires yeah (laughs) maybe it would have been just brilliant somehow we would have been (laughs) ruling the world but uh alas (laughs)
0: That's basically, you know, the non-musician musicians idea that you were talking about.
1: Exactly, exactly. It's like really, it's a really like a freeing concept because once you kind of accept that uh, you're not gonna be like uh, Jimi Hendrix or something, then you can kind of just, just try to like go down your own little road and try to, uh, you know, just like kind of follow your intuition. I think in a a very uneducated, um, free form way
0: when i think it has a lot to do with being comfortable with your own abilities i mean that's something that that i've realized the older i get that i'm more honest with myself you know i'll be like oh i'm just you know i am not great at that yeah i enjoy doing whatever that thing is but then there are things that i am really good at so you know i focus my attention on trying to make those things that much better
1: yeah exactly that that, that, that's that's you really hit the nail on the head for sure i think that's like the yeah i feel like that too the older i get the more like i realize like i'm i'm bad at some things but the more i'm like i'm okay with that i feel like i'm like okay that's that's okay like i don't need to be good at everything i just want to be really good at one thing you know or something or or even just like you know just want to enjoy myself or so you like figure out how to how to enjoy yourself better or something i don't know I do kind of like that aspect of getting older,
0: yeah, I think i um I was really excited about turning thirty because I mean twenties are tough, dude, yeah definitely. <laughs> you know you're you're struggling to find your identity, your professional identity, your personal identity, and how those two can mesh, you know how can you live with both of those things?
1: Yeah, exactly, and I, I feel like for me, like, I'm in, I'm going through my 20s right now, like, I'm going through <laughs> what you just described right now, because, like, in my 20s, like, I was, you know, like being, a, like, being a snowboarder and stuff, it was, like, I was, like, I had such, like, a nice, I mean, it wasn't, like, making tons of money or anything, but I was, like, making enough, and I had, um... And like, I really had like my own little, I was like really accepted and uh, in a, you know, in a community and I had my little niche there and everything. So I felt real comfortable, but then like, it just postpones like that that horrible uh, confusion that comes along with like growing up for like another 10 years. And then you have to go through it like in your early thirties or whatever. But, so that that's what I'm going through right now. Well, I think that there might be two ways
0: to look at that because I think that, You figured your life out as a snowboarder, and if you would have decided to continue down that path, you would have figured it out. You would have been that much further along, but you've decided to kind of switch career paths. You know, I did the exact same thing, you know, snowboarding and then decided to pursue journalism.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: And I had to start from the ground up
1: yeah that's how it feels you feel like you're really like i mean I was always playing music when I, even when I was a snowboarder, so like I kind of like was like always had it in my mind that I wanted to do it, but definitely um like it's a big transition where you're like, oh my god, like what am I gonna do and it's it can be tricky for sure, essentially yeah i mean it's it's tough, you know it uh the transitions are always the tricky thing, but it's always the thing that keeps your life exciting too, i think.
0: I mean, again, I think that that's something that as you get older, you learn to appreciate because as you're going through it and you're struggling and every day is this new, this new hurdle that you have to, you know, overcome. Yeah. And then by the time you get to a certain age, you're like, oh yeah, I've done that before. Just like what you were saying about bombing at a show, you know, yeah. you're like, oh, this isn't so bad. You can find the comedy of it. You know, the people coughing, the the glasses clinking, the doors opening.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah, totally. Yeah, that's for sure. You definitely like. I. I definitely feel like I'm more uh, mentally uh, capable at this age of dealing with what you have to deal with in this current thing i and this thing i'm pursuing right now that i would have been if i was in my 20s or something you know it would have been i feel like it would have been but of course when you're in your 20s you're pretty brave too like you know what i mean you feel so like you feel so like uh indestructible you know but um but i still feel i don't know i, I yeah but i yeah like, like you said it's pretty it's good to uh uh like be able to like kind of like laugh at yourself a little bit more i feel I feel like you're like you're more insecure when you're in your 20s so it's harder or something to uh yeah exactly you're like more ser- self-serious or.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think that um, I've definitely learned to make fun. I make fun of myself every day. You know, I'm like, well, that was a stupid decision. <laughs> and then being able to look yeah. back and um, see all the areas that you, the, the, maybe not the areas, but like the things that you've tried that have failed and then what you've learned from those.
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, definitely the experience helps too, I think. hmm for sure cuz i just sometimes i just look back at things i would do or say or or just decisions i made like in the past and i was just like i was such a fool you know <laughs> but not that i'm not a fool now but i do you know that uh i guess you do live it live and learn as you get older and you become a little bit more wise
0: it's like those uh those late night moments right before bed when you're thinking about you know all the most embarrassing things you did. <laughs> you're like, God, I hate myself. Why would I say that?
1: Yeah, you're like, no.
0: <laughs> like 1
1: a.m. <laughs> yeah, it's the worst, man. Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah, I think that's hell.
1: Yeah, that's the that's the worst. Now that self doubt. Yeah, and that's the hardest thing about playing shows, just, like, of that. But think about having a microphone when you were doing it <laughs> and, like, having a bunch of, like, onlookers. And also you're playing a show to, like, a group of people that aren't there to see you. At this, I mean, at least that's what I'm doing at this point. They're there to see another band, so you're, they're just kind of, like, you know, subjected to your, like, your, <laughs> your act. And you're, like, just, like, babbling on and, Yeah. Uh, it's for why sometimes i'm like why 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 am I doing this to myself? <laughs> do you ever like wonder ask yourself like why couldn't I have just been like uh like worked on the slope or something like why can't I just be like someone who like is like i don't know like uh content to uh do something that's maybe a little bit more in the realm of uh the normal you know oh absolutely <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> yeah.
0: i i would always say or I, i've I've always said that I don't want a plan B. And the older I get, (laughs) I'm like, man, maybe a plan B would have been kind of (laughs) cool. Because now at this point, you know, you build up your resume and that resume is the thing that kind of floats you through your professional life. And so when you show that resume, you know, you're ideally applying for a job that is applicable to that resume. You know, I'm not going to, I'm never going to be able to be a, um, I don't know, like, a foreman on like you know on like a construction site they'll look at my resume but like, what the hell are you talking about like
1: no way yeah, yeah go over there and shovel exactly and that's what, that's it i'm me too man like i try to work construction with my dad uh like sometimes i come up to alaska and try to work construction with him but all i do is like sit around with like my hands over my ears like when people are like working saws and stuff <laughs> And, like, that's, like, all I've came up And I, like, try to talk to people about, like, weird subjects I'm interested in. Like, I'm like, are you, do you like uh, Arthur Rambo? <laughs> <laughs> They're like, <laughs> yeah, get out of here. Get the, get the hell out of here. <laughs> what the hell are you doing here? You don't belong here. <laughs> <laughs> you don't belong here. <laughs> I feel
0: like that's been at least a theme in your mind for as long as I've known you. <laughs> it's like in your mind, oh, you're like, yeah. I don't belong here.
1: I know, man. I'm always like the odd man out, and look at me now. I'm in Quebec City. Yeah, I'm like the constant outsider. Like I don't know if I if that's uh, of my own making or if I'm just uh, I don't know. I'm lucky, but uh, it does seem to be a recurring theme in my life. Well, I think it's just
0: a matter of <laughs> imposter syndrome. Like I don't I don't yeah. belong here. I'm I'm not doing the thing, you know, that I think I should be doing.
1: Yeah, that's true. But also, I think it's always like maybe it's a desire to stand out or something. Because you know, like remember in high school, I was like dressing like David Bowie, and I went to I went to school in Anchorage, Alaska. You know, it wasn't necessarily like, you know, like I was just uh, kind of uh, asking for it a little bit. You know, but I don't know. (laughs) I think my parents are really weird, too, you know, like, you know, my parents, they're, uh, I never had a chance, really, to be, like, exactly normal. You know, it's like, Woody, like, my older brother, he was, like, he's, like, still really weird, but, like, he, like, managed to, like, kind of, like, get, like, a, like, find, like, his place in, like, society, and then, like, I was, like, a little too weird to like ever do that and then max is like the the strangeness uh in its pure form <laughs> you know what i mean yo absolutely
0: <laughs> i i actually 100 percent agree so the life of a musician is pretty similar to the life of a uh, professional snowboarder yeah there's traveling performing recording or filming yeah do you feel like having been a professional snowboarder prepared you to pursue music
1: uh, yeah, I think so. I think so. I think, I think one thing that really helps about it is that there always seems to be, um, uh, like what, what's the word I'm looking for here? Like, uh, uh, like, uh, not landmarks. What's it like? Watermarks, I think, or, uh, what, is, what is, benchmarks. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, like, like, uh, kind of like things that you, um, can kind of, I can always kind of relate things to, like, when I was uh, becoming a professional snowboarder to, like, where I'm at in my in my musical development in, in some ways, mm-hmm. like, uh because I guess, just because, like, once, I think once you've reached, like, a professional level in, like, kind of like a, like, I, I, I like considered snowboarding to be, like, artistic pursuit, too, in its own way, and I think, like, once you've re- reached, uh, like, a professional level at, the, at any artistic pursuit, I think you could kind of relate a lot of what you went through back to any other other artistic pursuit that you choose to to pursue after afterwards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That so uh, that that helps. Like sometimes I'll be like, okay, like like because uh, like in snowboarding, like I'd be like, oh, I think I'm, I think I'm like pretty good. I'm pretty good. But then you know, like you start thinking, oh, I'm. You know, you know, it was like. You like when we learned how to do like frontside rodeos off of like horseshoe or something. We were like, man, we're getting pretty good. Like, check us out. Like, we're <laughs> like, we're getting there. But then, like, you realize by the time like compared to compared to that to like when you were getting like sponsored by like World Industries and stuff. Okay. You know, like you were so much farther along and such a better snowboarder than like that, that than like when we were just like learning things and like thinking we were getting really good. But like you, you don't realize how high. The level is really, I think, yet so that helps to like. Sometimes I'll be like, "Oh, I think this song is really great," but then I'll like, uh, but then I'll 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 like write some more songs and I'll realize like I wasn't quite uh, you know fully for a fully formed songwriter when I wrote those old things or something. So, you know, you're always I don't know. It it helps. I think it helps you be mentally prepared to to be like continually. to continually think you're there uh, but but to not be you know you're like you're like yeah. it makes you, it makes it less hard on you because like sometimes that can be really frustrating like you'd be like, oh yeah, I think I'm like think I'm like on the level of like the people that I'm trying to imitate or like try to trying to you know like on the level of my heroes or my favorite snowboarders or favorite musicians or something but then then you go a little farther and you realize you're not, and and then you gotta just keep. I think you realize how much work it takes too. It just takes such like a tremendous amount of work and trial and error and and like frustration and stuff. But uh, it's also really like fun, obviously. But
0: I liked what you just said about something to the effect that you can kind of feel yourself getting closer to those people that you know maybe you're emulating or you're idolizing. Yeah. And then it becomes more like. Your dream becomes like more tangible rather than yeah you know, when you're just first learning, it's more fun, everything is brand new, yeah, I feel like there's a point in the pursuit of something like this, whether it's snowboarding, whether it's music, whether it's journalism, where you realize that, hey, like I could i, I i'm I'm next, yeah, you know like who who else because there there has to be. A next person. Like, why can't it be me, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, you, you do, real. I think you do realize, like, you can, you can do it. You can get there. Like, if you work hard enough, like, you will, like, arrive at some, 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 like, higher level of the thing you're pursuing, you know? Like, you really, you can, you can manifest it if you, if you work, if you really just focus and make your life revolve around it, for sure. I, I, I do believe that.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, I, um, a couple years ago, I came over to your house, the one your dad recently sold, and I interviewed you for a snowboard magazine, and you said something that stuck with me, which was um, it was about how raw talent isn't the key to success and that the key to success is practice and perseverance. And we talked about you know this idea of perseverance, and I remember you were like, that's it. That's the talent is the perseverance
1: yeah i th- I still believe that for sure I think it's like that's that's what it's all about just being just being uh perseverant and just 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 trying and trying and trying until something something comes together you know that's it seems that seems like the only way it can ever work you know because even if you're just really really great at it uh you know it's it's i don't know it just seems like it can never quite organize itself in the In the same way, like as someone who's like very um, um, doggedly pursuing um, what they're doing, you know, it it doesn't seem like anybody stumbles into it really, I, I feel.
0: Do you think that those people that just have the raw talent, they don't appreciate it as much?
1: Maybe, maybe it's too easy for them or something. Maybe like those people that have that raw talent are so good at like anything they try. They're just like spectacular human beings with um, amazingly powerful brains. (laughs) So they like anything they try is easy. So it doesn't feel as special. Like it feels so novel. Like anything I've ever gotten good at has felt like so, um, so spectacular when I, when I did finally get good at it. Uh, because I, it was, it was so hard for me to get good at anything. I I feel like I'm such a slow learner, you know? So I don't know. I just feel like, uh, yeah, yeah. I think like when you're, when you're, when it takes a lot of work to get to it, you maybe, maybe you do appreciate it more.
0: How often do you think about quitting? (laughs)
1: Um, man i never think about quitting to tell you the truth like i just love it too much and it's like i don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing you know i can't i just i just love it so much especially music is one of those things where i mean snowboarding was the same because snowboarding is just like the most fun but music is really easy to keep going to because music is something that's so uh ubiquitous that you you're you're walking around and you hear you hear it all the time and it music is just so powerful too that I think it's it's so it, every time i hear a song that i really love which is every day pretty much uh, it just re instills that desire in me to to keep like keep trying to write songs and and writing songs is really fun too because it's like the it's like playing the lottery or something because like every day you wake up and uh, you're like oh man maybe this is like the day you know, every day you try is like a day that you could write like a song that's like as good as as like your favorite band or 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 you know any of your heroes and stuff but, like it's like every every day is like a little opportunity so it's like a, it's a fun it's a fun process it's not like something that, um, it's like every day is a clean slate. It's, not, I think some, some artistic pursuits are really like tricky and, you know, you're working on the same thing all, like if you're a sculptor or something, you're like probably working on a sculpture for a long time and you probably have to like, you know, apprentice with somebody to like be able even to be in a position to like make sculpture on a high level or anything, but like songwriting, so, uh, it's like the, the, uh, craft, it's like really, uh, for like anybody, you know, you can just like get a laptop or a guitar or whatever and just, like, and make music. And there's inspiration everywhere because music's such a huge part of of, of our society and stuff.
0: What usually motivates you to write a song?
1: Um... I don't know, just just like experimentation, I guess the possibilities, you know, sitting down and you could just, It just like, um, especially when I hear an artist that really seems to be doing something, or just following their own path, they're really like outsider artists that are really seem to be uh, in, like existing within a vacuum and like doing their own, doing exactly what they want to do and and... and 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 just like the possibilities, like all the way things link up and it just and it just and when it works, it just feels so good. It just is like it's just there's nothing nothing I've ever done feels feels better than when like something when you're trying to write write a song and it, like, and it comes together and like something some weird little like like the way I write songs is usually like I have a couple different songs going or like I have a bunch of little musical ideas, and I kind of just jam them together in a way. And usually, like uh, even lyrically, like I'll have something like, um, you know, like I'll have like a little bit, of, like some some little phrase or something, and then I'll and then I'll just have some other little piece of music with another little phrase attached to it, and eventually I'll just kind of like mash them all up, and they'll they'll end up together. And but the but the lyrics will even make sense and stuff. I don't know. It's just like it's like uh, it's a puzzle. Yeah, it's like a puzzle, and it comes together. And when it comes together, it doesn't even feel like you did it. It doesn't even feel like it's you. So it's like you're just like, whoa, it just it just happened. Like, you know, it was, I don't know, it's just a weird, like, you know, like some people say you got to let God in the room when you're writing songs or something. I think like Michael Jackson said that or something. Or Jack White, or I don't know who said that. But he said like, leave the door open because like you got to let God in the room or something. <laughs> I don't know.
0: And what is what does that look like for you?
1: Um... Yeah, I don't know. I me, I I I have um, I've like set some limitations in the past couple years, and that's just like I go into a room with a chair and an acoustic guitar or an electric guitar sometimes, and uh, and I don't let myself have anything else. So I just try to make something good with just a guitar and my voice and uh, and a notebook. Like so, I because before I was like trying to really craft stuff on the computer and stuff, which is like amazing. Some people have like, I mean, obviously people make amazing music that way, but like for me. Like, I guess, like, uh, setting those limitations can be, like, really powerful, I think, in music because it's easy to get overwhelmed because there's so many different ways to go and so many different instruments to make music with. Like, you know, like, there's just a billion different synthesizers or instruments or guitars or styles or genres. So, I think... Mm -hmm. What, what I think like it's it's about defining your direction so for me it's just like a lot of times I like go it depends on what, what where I'm living like when i'm living in an apartment i spend a lot of time in the bathroom like uh, playing with an acoustic guitar like kind of looking into the mirror <laughs> and uh <gasps> and like it's because it's all reverb-y in there and also like I feel like you when you're looking at yourself in the mirror like you it's like you, you keep yourself honest like you're looking back at yourself and it's like you better like you gotta it's like you have an audience of yourself you know yeah so you you end up having to like perform a little bit better than when you're like in a room by yourself and you can kind of be like a little bit um uh you know uh aloof or you know just kind of like playing like not not as focusedly as you'd like or
0: and i think that you can't hide from yourself you know if you're sitting there staring at yourself in the mirror if you're honest with yourself you know when you're bullshitting yourself
1: (laughs) yeah exactly for sure man like you got it. like you know when it's bad when you're like in the bathroom when you're like playing (laughs) into the into the mirror and it makes you like perform out crazy you get some a visual you know thing to help you tell like your story or whatever so that's cool
0: one thing that uh or one of the things that i um i really believe is having recorded all of my interviews for the last like probably over 10 years and then now with the podcast like this is just you know inevitably recorded yeah is i've listened to myself and having listened to myself i have become a better talker and more conscious and thoughtful of the things that I say yeah. Uh, in the same way that I'm sure, you know, when you're in the bathroom and you're playing songs to yourself, <laughs> you know, you can't help but be honest with yourself.
1: Yeah. Yeah, totally, man. That's for sure. I mean, but I, 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 I'm looking forward to being uh, where you just described you are at, like with having heard yourself for 10 years, because like this is my first like album pretty much. I'm like, you know, like I think sometimes I listen back to my songs and I'm like, wow, like I have some strange intonations and like, you know, but also that self doubt, but also, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I think I, I definitely benefit from, from listening to yourself back even through uh, recordings. I think that's probably the, the best way to like really study how you, cause it feels so much, di- it, feels, it does feel different when you're, when you're singing than when you actually like, uh, then what other, what, when you're singing, it, it sounds different to you than to other people a lot of the time I think or something like, yeah. Because I guess it's just where the sound is located and where it's coming from and stuff. But
0: when everything else that's going on, you know, you're thinking, you're trying to remember lyrics, you're, yeah, uh, you're looking out at the audience. You know, there's there's so many different things happening.
1: Exactly, it's just such a different experience being a performer than to be like than than being your own audience. I guess that's true.
0: I think everybody could benefit from listening to themselves. <laughs> <laughs>
1: man yeah most certainly so i kind of want to get
0: back to snowboarding
1: let's do it so do you still snowboard at all um not really and not by choice but just because i don't have enough money <laughs> i'm like just really it's like i went from like being a professional snowboarder one year to like not being a professional snowboarder the next year and not having enough money to go snowboarding. Really, I mean, I could make it happen. To I mean, like it's kind of an excuse because I could make it happen. Like I could, like I, li- I still live in a winter climate and everything, so I could make it happen. But um, I think it's also like uh, the monomania that I that I that I uh, I'm a monomaniac, so <laughs> it's <laughs> it's hard to it's hard for me to to, to do. To be even excited about two things at once, like, like I, 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 have, I I never have a ba- I never have a balanced life. I never can lead a balanced life, you know So it's like always like one thing or the other. So I think once I got on and I wanted to do, and I, I decided to do music full- time, I was like it was like snowboarding kind of got forgotten a little bit. I still love it.
0: You know, I think that we are very similar in that way. Um, yeah. <laughs> cause that's exactly why I stopped snowboarding and it wasn't by choice. It was because, you know, I wasn't getting, uh, I wasn't sponsored anymore. I wasn't getting the stuff, getting the equipment and the gear and then going to the resort or hiking or whatever, cause all that stuff costs a lot of money. Yeah. And so I have less money and I also have, you know, I had a new interest and, Whenever I think about pursuing one, it's also a matter of neglecting the other.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's that's. I'm the same way. I'm like, and I, I think that's that can be a really big benefit too. Actually, like it's it all, could also like uh, make it so you can't lead a balanced life, and it can be make your life miserable being like obsessive. <laughs> but 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 it really can. It's powerful too. I think like most people that probably reach a really high level probably exhibit those uh, same uh, character traits. You know.
0: I've heard meditating helps.
1: Man, me too. See, but I can't, I'm too much of a monomaniac even to help myself. Like, I I, just have, <laughs> I can't do anything else besides the thing that, like, you know, to me seems to be bringing me closer to my goal, you know? <laughs> yeah, you know,
0: I think, uh, I think you can just sit there, though. You know, you just sit there in the quiet, eyes closed, and try to clear your mind.
1: Man, I gotta try that. Sometimes I go sometimes I get pretty uh, you know me. I I uh it's a, it can be hard being a Gus Inglehorn.
0: <laughs> so is there a um actually hold on, sorry, I wanna ask another so what was the what was the last part you filmed?
1: Um the last thing I filmed was with my wife, uh and it was called Posy Posy. It was like a little. We we decided to make our own movie because I was still getting paid, and I wanted to, I wanted to make a movie. Like, and I always had an idea to make a. I always want. I would. I always thought like it'd be so cool to have creative control on the other side of the lens too. You know, because like it's always. I always had kind of like. I always worked with people that were really like accepting of what I wanted to do like on my snowboard. But I. I always. I kind of always had ideas for videos too, and I had this really grand idea for the video, and I think it would have been really cool. And I. And I was like. I was making all this uh paper mache uh stuff in my basement, all these sculptures kinda and i was like i wanted to like um like for example like uh well I pretty much just wanted to bring them around and just for not even necessarily interacting with them w- with them on my snowboard just to like i i like i wanted to just like decorate all the places i was snowboarding to like make them and try to create like a visual uh, like a visually stunning snowboard film like uh like i was thinking of like having like big sh- uh sheets with like patterns on them and kind of like uh paper mache sculptures like i said and like um like i was gonna like decorate up trees and maybe like you know like maybe uh bring kool-aid and like color the snow different colors and just like make every single place every single frame in the movie i wanted it to be like this like like i didn't i didn't want there even to be white like i wanted it to just be like no snow color like just like full on just every shot like just look look crazy and psychedelic in a way i guess or something but uh it didn't really happen <laughs> i didn't i didn't really make it happen i there was like there was elements of that in in posi posi but like i didn't uh fully realize my vision mostly because i think i kind of was just getting too into music and I couldn't really fully commit to the idea of doing it. And I kind of knew like my snowboard career was like winding down a little bit, I think. And so, yeah, it didn't really happen. But I still, I'm proud of that movie. I'm still really, I'm like, I'm glad that that's the last thing I, I ever got to do in snowboarding. I'm glad that it was like a new experience and I got to do something with Estee. With and so that was really, it was cool. I don't know. It's It used to be on the internet and some people really liked it, I think. But it, now it like, got taken down somehow. I don't know. I got to put it back up.
0: One way to look at that too is you got to go out on your own terms. Yeah, a lot of people don't get that opportunity.
1: Yeah, totally. That was the nice thing about the internet. I think is like you know I think a lot of times like before like people like you know MacDog would be like okay you're done like no more uh, you can't be in the movie anymore and that was it you know but like with the internet like you know everyone has an outlet I guess to do whatever they want for better or worse I guess <laughs> but a lot, I think a lot of times for better you know it's like really cool that you put the power in the hands of uh, the creators you know
0: was it was it nice to be able to close that chapter of your life on your own terms i should say
1: yeah it was cool it was super it was super fun um it was it was definitely like strange but i wasn't bummed out about it or anything i think like most people like when they get done being a professional snowboarder i think a lot of people go through like a really tough transition and i think i went through like a sort of a transition but i don't know i was like so i just was so in incredibly excited about trying to make music and like the idea of being in like in a band and stuff it just seems super exciting to me so I it, it's like I, I instantly had someone else there to like lean on and like another obsession like it wasn't like I was like wondering what to do or anything which I think a lot of people go through just like the what do I do now kind of a experience mm-hmm. but uh, so yeah it, it it was but it was weird it was like it was so weird because you know we, you and I are like I think like uh, we'll always be skateboarders and snowboarders. Like it's such a huge part of our our lives, and it was such a huge, it's such a huge part of who I am. Like even the way I, I mean, obviously, like I think anybody listening to this will like listen to the way I speak and stuff and be like, that guy sounds like he's a surfer from California or something, you know? Because we all sound like that. I mean, I, at least a lot of us, like in in our in in the boarding world, uh, speak a certain way and like act a certain way and um and it's such an inclusive wonderful world like full of people that are that are like so ready to let you stay at their house and like and and they're Mm -hmm. not gonna like be and you know it's just like such a um you you share such a kinship with other skateboarders and snowboarders and everybody so that was hard I think too because I just I mean since then like um I haven't even. I like since I stopped being a professional snowboarder. I don't. I haven't seen any of my snowboard friends pretty much. I mean, it's crazy. Like, and it's not. It's not like their fault or anything. It's like probably more my fault because I moved in to Quebec, where you know I moved to another country and everything. But, but it's crazy. Like, it's kind of like I lost all my my best closest friends. Like, um, so that was pretty crazy. But that's also expatriatism. But that. I mean, I think that's something that happens to a lot of people when they stop being. A, they, snowboarding or skateboarding stops being like the thing they do all the time, then it's like your friends that are still doing it all the time. Like you have, you know, you don't hang out with them as much, you know? Mm-hmm.
0: For sure. I mean, and it's just different life paths, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah, You just, you just end up in a different space and a different city. And, and, and I mean, that's the thing about snowboarding too, is you're always traveling all the time. So it was like, I had all these friends that I would see all the time because, either I was in their city where they were living or we were in some other city across the world, like together, you know, like all my, I have like so many friends from like Minneapolis, for example, and like I never go to Minneapolis anymore, but I love those guys and I miss them and uh, Salt Lake city, you know, Anchorage, like, um, you know, uh, Washington, all those places, like where I would, that was just kind of like my migratory route that I would always take every winter. So I would see everybody. And then as soon as I stopped taking that migratory route, I realized, Oh man, like I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, <laughs> I'm not gonna end up back in Minneapolis for a long time, you know. Yeah. So it gets it, you start realizing you're not gonna like really see your your buddies anymore. So that was kind of you know because friendship is, is a power, is an important thing, and so you know not having like that was maybe the hardest part of the whole transition, I guess. To answer the transition question, but
0: yeah, I I can agree with that a hundred percent. I think that. Um... The way that we all grew up, you know, you, me, and the rest of our group of friends, it was like, it was so tight-knit and to the point where it was like, we saw each other every single day. You know, whether we were snowboarding at Hilltop in Anchorage or Alieski in Girdwood or, you know, on occasion traveling with each other. And then as we got older, filming together, you know, it was, it was like, it was a family.
1: Yeah, at Borderline, man, at Indo, just like, it was just like, you did not even have to call your friends, like, you just knew where they'd be, you know, you go to Hanchu, you're gonna see a hundred people you know, and yeah, it was, it's crazy, if you don't grow up as a skateboarder or a snowboarder, you. I don't think, like, anything else can really um, compare to that kind of, like, level of, it's just such an amazing, um, it, it just lends itself to such, like, amazing friendships, you know
0: when I think that it's, it's so non-traditional. You know, when I think about when we would go out and film, I'd go up and I'd tell my, my parents, hey, I'm, me and Gus are going out to film something tonight. They'd ask me when I, I'm gonna be home, and I'd be like, oh, I don't know, maybe like 1, 2 a.m. And it's on a school day, you know? <laughs> like we'd, yeah. And then we'd go out into the city, into Anchorage, and find something urban to snowboard on and film, And then we'd get back, get back home, go to sleep, and then wake up a couple hours later and go to school like that. But that's pretty, you know, that's different.
1: Yeah, it's for sure odd, you know, it's like an odd uh, thing, way to grow up, I think. But yeah, it's so crazy because you ended up just like, I don't know. I mean, I don't know how it is to like not do that because I only only have lived this one life, but, uh, but I mean, it just seemed like... We were all, we were just like so close and everyone was just hanging out with each other all the time. And we all, I don't know, it's just crazy how it brought this, like, it brought such a huge uh, swath of people together, you know, and like from all different like walks of life and everything. But I, mean, I guess that was borderline too, a lot too. That was like, I, I don't think everybody had that problem. I mean, I think a lot of, I mean, I don't think every community has like something as, um, wonderful as borderline was to like bring us all together and make and create that sense of community but yeah i think just in general i think skateboarding snowboarding like is so i don't know such a great way to grow up you know Uh,
0: yeah when i think about having kids when me and carrie talk about having kids like it's not even a question that i am going to try to get them into skateboarding and snowboarding yeah you know because i mean I don't have any problem with football or soccer or hockey. I, I like hockey a lot. Yeah. Um, But not even close to how much, you know, I feel this, like, connection to snowboarding.
1: Yeah, because I think it's the freedom that comes along with the lifestyle, too, of, like, you know, like, skateboarding. Like, you're, like, you hop on your bike, you put your skateboard on your straps, and you're just out there in the city, like, just going wherever you feel like and you're like looking at the whole city in a creative way and it's all about coming up with new ideas and it's like so weird and artistic and and cool and there's all these people there and it just seems like I mean obviously there's some like people like that are like not not as nice, but like for the most part like you meet people like you know you meet people like Jesse Bertner or Mark Thompson. Like it just seems like people in in our world, like the skateboarding, snowboarding world were like so um, I don't know. Just like such good role models in the best way. Like, I don't know. It was just. It was. I feel like if I wouldn't have had it and I wouldn't have met all those people through it, it would have just. I would have just been such a different person. You know. Yeah, it's crazy, man. It's a crazy. I don't know what to say, man. It's just so. It was just. It's just such a amazing thing. I, I guess that, that. I like. I like. I guess what guys talking about this was like. Um like, stop and being in that world a little bit, and that's the hardest part, because, like, because even in the music world, there's so many amazing people, like, there's wonderful, wonderful people in the music world, and, like, as you'd expect, like, very creative, open-minded, cool people, but, um, but there's, like, also, like, an element of cool that does exist in skateboarding and snowboarding, but it's, like, more present in, in music that, uh, that is, that I think prevents people from being as, like, you know, like, skateboarders, I feel like, and snowboarders especially especially snowboarders we're like kind of like nerdy in a way you know what i mean (laughs) (laughs) it's like we're just so we're such like geeks for this like weird activity that like is just so much fun and like and i don't think we consider ourselves to be like especially snowboarders i don't think we consider ourselves to be exactly like the the coolest people in the world you know like uh I feel like we always feel like inadequate compared to skateboarders (laughs) a lot of the time, you know? So like, it prevents us from having like big egos. So like you're dealing with a lot of people that are just, um, sincerely (laughs) interested and in love with like the activity of, of snowboarding and like the community that grows up around it is like so inclusive and nice because of that, I think, you know, so that's, that's why it's so special too, I think.
0: You know what I think is really interesting that you, you mentioned a little while ago and I, I wrote it down here is that we'll always identify with being a snowboarder or a skateboarder, you know. Yeah. If you if you were born into the not born into that culture, but if you kind of found your way into that culture, you will forever identify with it. And it took me I think I think what it was is I got into a conversation with somebody, it was a local journalist, and I forget Exactly the trajectory of the conversation, but I know that I said something along the lines of, you know, my heroes are snowboarders. You know, they're like Scotty Whitlake and Travis Rice and Mark Landvik. And, you know, I love journalism and I've always read books and I've always read the news. But there's only maybe a small handful of journalists that I can... Genuinely say I look up to, yeah. rather than you know I could I could name off like forty snowboarders.
1: <laughs> yeah, me too. Still yeah.
0: to this day, and I'm 31.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Me too. I'm 32, and I I know I know everything about it, you know.
0: And so that journalist said, in response to that, yeah, it sounds like you have imposter syndrome. <laughs> and I was like, I was all, yeah, yeah, maybe a little bit. Maybe that's what's going on.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah it's, it's hard to break away from i mean like not that i'd want to you know but uh yeah it's 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 like it's uh left its mark on us i think i don't think we're uh ever gonna ever gonna forget it or anything you know
0: so everybody's experience as a professional snowboarder is different how would you describe yours now that you you can look back on it
1: Uh interesting question let's see um um i don't know it was like really great like i really loved it and i got really no complaints like i i was like pretty much in awe of the fact that i was getting paid to snowboard the entire time i was like oh my god how is this happening <laughs> like i wasn't ever getting paid a lot like especially because some of my friends were like you know making lots of money you know like you know but i never like i was just always like wow look at us like man we're like not having to live a real life, you know, like not having to work. at a nine to five job or anything. And it was, it was really fun. I guess the injuries were bad sometimes, but I never got that injured. I blew up my knee one time, Mm -hmm. but, uh, but yeah, man, I don't know. I guess look, look, looking back at it, it just seems like, um, I'm really, uh, I guess I I feel really uh, lucky that I got to, got to do all that. And, And, um, I don't know. I guess that's that's pretty much it. There, th- I guess there was a time there, like right when I was stopping being a professional snowboarder, that I might have been a little bit like, "Oh man, like why am I losing all my sponsors and stuff?" <laughs> like I felt like I felt like I was still good, you know. I was like, I still got like some like weird uh, tricks to uh, you know maybe try to invent or something. But <laughs> I don't know. It was like, uh... but uh, other than other than that, I mean, it, I just it just seemed to uh, seemed to be a pretty. Lu- lucky uh thing that that i that I got to take part of i guess
0: if you could point to one experience or maybe kind of a conglomeration of your snowboard experience that would kind of be emblematic of of your whole time there, what would it be
1: uh what would it be i mean I think maybe honestly like my I guess maybe it was really like, um, I don't know if it it, it can be summed up in one experience, but I think it was just the whole lifestyle of like going out in, like I would go up to Alaska mostly in the summers or sometimes I was, sometimes I was in Reno with you and sometimes I was, I was different places in the summer living in my van and stuff for a while, but mostly like I would, I guess just the, uh, like summer, like hunkering down in the summer. And then when winter comes, you start getting super excited and then you just, go all over the place and you have all these triumphs and also like failures but you know you're landing tricks, you're getting hurt and you're healing and trying to do trying to get something else going and then you like think up some idea and you put it and you that idea gets put into uh gets gets uh realized and and, uh, and then at the end of the year you got this document that lasts like a couple of minutes and uh and you're usually super proud of it and
0: by document, you mean uh, the video, right? Like the yeah. video proof of of your whole season.
1: Exactly, and like you, you get to put them all together and like put it to some song, and then you know you go to premiere and and like you know people like it and stuff. And it's, it's I don't know, it's a really uh, it's I don't know. It was just a kind of a wonderful like whirlwind, like that that was like that. You know, like that like you know picking where you want to be in the summer, going all over in the winter, and just like trying to fight hard. To, it was just such every... Film and video part is just the most physically and mentally difficult thing ever when you're really trying to go for it. So, But it's like... Uh, but it's so gratifying too and so exciting and yeah. It's just, it just like the whole thing was just kind of just pretty wonderful, you know? And all the people that you get to hang out with are just like really cool strange, like uh, wonderful humans for the most part and... I guess like the it was most exciting at first i would say like i never got sick of it but like when i like maybe when i was like 18 and i was like working at high cascade and i like i filmed like that video part for patrick patterns like that was like i still think that's the best thing i, I ever did you know like i probably could have just quit after that and it would have been like uh, i think i would have i would have been still like happy with my like that I got to do that you know but Mm -hmm. so that was that was like that first time when I made when I actually that was the I guess that was the first video part where I was like oh cool like I did I did good and and people liked it and then I got sponsored and stuff so that was pretty cool
0: I always think of this this one line that I did this snowboard line that I did in uh at June Mountain yeah kind of right outside of Mammoth and to me, it's like, it's the best line that I ever did. And I was showing off for my dad because I was living in Mammoth by myself and going to June on the weekends, usually with Mark Thompson, actually. And...
1: Really? June? Mark was living there at the same time?
0: Yeah. Mark was living in Mammoth at the same time. Yeah. Oh, crazy. I mean, I lived there off and on for, for a couple of years, but uh, Mark was there for a good portion of that.
1: I forgot that whole period where Mark was like, living in Mammoth. I forgot about that. And he would come back home to Anchorage and he would just be so, I mean, he was just always amazing, but he was like, especially amazingly good. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you were just like unbelievably good, you know. Do you have
0: a a line where you were like, that was, I was at my peak performance?
1: Man, that's a tough question. There's definitely like moments that I, that, yeah, like where you're going and you just, you just like, it's just unbelievable. Like you reach like a new level and you're like, I, and I'm trying to think of like, uh one is like when I was really young and I was with Damien and you and... I was like, I think it was like, I was real. we were really young and like, uh, and I was like, you know, Damien was there and he was like, you know, borderline employee. So I wanted to like do something cool in front of him. It's always when you're trying to do something cool in front of someone you want to impress, like you said, you wanted to impress your dad. Yeah. Um, and I remember I just did this like seven back seven melon. And I was just like, I, and I, it was like the best thing I'd ever done by like a thousand times and it happened to be in front of Damien. So. I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> so that one, that time was really good. Uh, that time felt really good. Um, oh, man, I'm trying to think, man. There's just so many glorious moments, really. You know what I mean? Snowboarding is just yeah. like, full of them. But, uh, yeah, I guess, I mean, there's all these moments. Like, I'm thinking of another one that just comes to mind. Like, you know that rope gap? Like, right, you know, like when Chair 6 is right there at Alyeska and there's the rope gap there and you can kind of, like, hip over the rope gap into that transition, like, Um, Right before the quad? Right before the quad. Okay. And I just remember one time, I'm pretty sure you were there too, and there was like just a little bump, and we just like hipped over, and it was just like three feet of powder, and you just like, oh, dude, it was just the best, man. It's nothing like it. You know what I mean?
0: (laughs) I guess to close this out, I think that kind of those moments that you remember are the moments like with your friends when you are doing it just out of the love of, of doing it. And it's never, it's usually never those like really spectacular moments that are like, you know, I I did the best trick of my life in front of a bunch of strangers. You know, it, it's usually stuff like you just mentioned where you're at your home mountain on a pow day and you just hit this fun little jump.
1: Yeah, no, totally, man, you're right, like, when I, I was kind of thinking that same thing when you asked me that, and I was just thinking, of like, well, it's weird, nothing, none of, like, the things that maybe I'm known for, like, maybe that, like, people, like, would think of when they thought of my snowboarding, like, come to mind, like, none of the tricks that I did or whatever for, uh, when I was filming for video parts or anything, it's it's true, it's like all things, like, with you and Alieska pretty much, and Hilltop, even, you know, where you just, like... Yeah, man, those are the best. That's what it's all about. But I mean, that's the that's the worst part about being a professional snowboard, I guess, actually, is that you get taken away from that side of things a little bit.
0: Yeah, you become a product.
1: Yeah, you have to and you gotta like perform and you're and you it becomes more of a more, more about like um making these video parts, which is super gratifying in its own way, but it, it's not like at, it's not the same as like when you go to Ali, got a powder day and you're just like trying to learn how to do backflips or something, you know?
0: Yeah. You know what I just thought of is it's something that i always i always thought of or that was always told to me you know and you hear it a lot about sports or even action sports where people are saying that they're trying to turn this this thing into a job but being a professional athlete isn't like a normal job <laughs> like, yeah. at all you know you you become a product like i said earlier you know you become this this thing that can maybe be better translated to an action figure yeah. it's like you're you're watching your favorite thing up there uh until maybe it it's not your favorite thing anymore you know because yeah. people throw toys away all the time you know they get sick of video <laughs> games they get sick of you know movies in the movie theater
1: yeah definitely it's definitely brutal like it's like the second like you put out something that's, like, a li- considered to be a little bit, like, subpar, like, people are like, oh, man, you know, like, skateboard, you watch a skateboard part, and it doesn't seem, like, as good as they were before, you're like, oh, they fell off, you know? Yeah, exactly. And then you're, like, you're over, it's, like, there's zero len- leniency, you know, it's, like, you know, you're really, like, oh, sort of ease above your head all the time, and you gotta, and you gotta go for it, for sure. But, I mean, that, that kind of, I guess that's it's like that's motivated in a way too because you you feel like if i guess if you felt like you could like uh could like kind of maybe take it easy for a season then maybe you you wouldn't push it as hard and which is which is which is which, is, which would probably be actually kind of nice to not have to push it that hard every season but <laughs> but uh but at least it keeps you like going and like and hungry i guess but it also makes yeah it definitely takes a little bit of the fun out of it i think for sure
0: so after a career as a professional snowboarder and then now you're basically just beginning a career as a musician. Is there something, maybe some sage wisdom that you've learned throughout (laughs) that entire process?
1: Um, I don't know, let's see. I don't consider myself especially wise. but. Let's see, I think uh just uh work hard and uh and uh set lofty goals because they're more interesting like than you know, if you're if you're if you set some sort of very reasonable, realistic goal, it can be less exciting, you know. Like for me, like setting a big, big goal of like, okay, I want to be uh, a rock star, you know, at least like it makes it easier to work on it every day because like the idea of becoming a rock star is so intoxicating that it kind of keeps you going, you know? Uh, compared to, like, if I wanted, decided to be, like, a banker. or unless, unless you want to be a banker or whatever. But for me, that would be, like, not something I'm, like, you know, not dreaming of or something. So, I think dream big. I think, uh, as cliche as it is, I think that's, that's important, I think.
0: How about something in French?
1: <laughs> Comme quoi? Um... What do you want? Give me something. Give me a topic. Oh,
0: some sage wisdom in French.
1: Oh, okay. Um, in French, uh, uh, let's see. What can I say? What's a, oh man, I'm, ex- I'm even less wise in French. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, let's see. Um, oh my God, I'm really drawing a blank here. Um, What if I just don't speak French and this whole thing is just a charade? Like I'm living in like Nebraska or something. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Sois toi-même. Travaille fort. Et tu vas... Tu vas atteindre tes buts. I don't even know if that was a good sentence. That's really not a good sentence. Uh, Um... (laughs) Um, uh, I don't know. Uh, Le Vian Rose. <laughs> <laughs> I love that song. <laughs> Me too. Uh, listen to Le Vian Rose. It's in French also. The Piaf That's perfect. <laughs> All right, Gus. This has been awesome. Okay. Thank you, Cody, man. I miss you so much. And uh, let's, uh, let's, uh, it's funny that the only time we talk is on a podcast. We (laughs) got, I got to call you more. I'm sorry. It's the monomania. I don't, I don't talk to anybody, (laughs) you know.
0: For more information about how you can support local grassroots journalism, go to www.patreon.com slash crude magazine. Crude Conversations is written, hosted, and produced by me, Cody Liska, for Crude Magazine. Music was produced by Alkota Beats.